welcome to the comedy confession booth. <laughs> Are we rolling? Is that? Oh yeah, we're just, rolling. That's just a cold open. Yeah, I don't have a thing yet. Dude, you, you were trying to sing a theme song. You want to give it a go? Uh, no. <laughs> yeah, we were okay. Maybe I should do this too. Hold on. You're so smart about mics. Oh. Yeah, we can see your face now. Because oh these God. are quite beefy microphones. Yeah, we, I had a conversation with John O'Keefe about it uh, in an unaired episode. That, I don't know. It might be a little too racist. So Okay. I just want to make sure everyone can get a full view of my uh, lack of chin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's either like lack of chin or like... It depends. Yeah, just, if I'm like this, it's no chin. If I'm like this, it's 50. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I wasn't going to say it. Yeah. But if you're going to say it, I'll allow this it. This is a genetic family thing. Both my parents have, as good looking as they are, quite like <laughs> jowly faces. Both your parents are beautiful. I've met them both. Yeah, they are. Just, just it's the chin. It's the chin. Yeah, that's not a... Uh, not a problem I have, as you can Yeah, see. you have a very pronounced bone structure. Thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> For everyone listening, <laughs> I'm sure you don't know who we are and can't picture us. Um, yeah. So. Picture a small kind of slightly alternative looking Jewish lady with a very pronounced jawline. <laughs> They're picturing like that meme of the guy that's like. Uh, again, they can't see they the can't face. See you're it. Making. They can't see it. <laughs> But, but yeah, some people are watchers. So okay. Um. Anyway, welcome James Regal. Thank you to Comedy Confession Booth. Um. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a fun time. Uh, James Regal is headlining the Saturday Spotlight Show here at the Comedy Clubhouse. That's right. Um. And you took that on this morning. <laughs> yeah. Uh. I'm I I'm like I'm like that willing sub that's always ready to come off the bench uh, when the star player gets injured. Yeah. Uh, you know, he's a trier, but he's not being picked for the first team. Sure. I'm, um, I'm the same. Yeah. No, I, I did. I, I had, I guess I had my spotlight a few months ago. Um, unfortunately, the brilliant Andy Casper is ill. And uh, Hannah. No, I was really excited to podcast with him. Yeah, I bet you were. He's really entertaining. <laughs> he really is. Um, and now I have you. Uh. Yeah. And then I guess Hannah was like, who do I know who doesn't have a life on a Friday night? <laughs> oh, James will probably do it. So. Here yeah. I am, yeah. Here you are. But you're going to be amazing, so don't worry. No, I'm, no looking for, I'm looking forward to it. I haven't done a 30-minute set for a while. Yeah. Probably since the last Spotlight. I've done a bunch of 15s, and obviously we had the, the split hour in, in Edinburgh, and maybe we'll get onto this later, but like, I feel like my set has changed a lot already since then. I'm I've sure. stopped doing a lot of that material for <laughs> some for more kind of uh, social <laughs> political reasons. Um, so, yeah, I'm looking forward for the opportunity to kind of stretch my legs a bit more with the time because I, I actually just booked in my first uh, solo hour. <gasps> Congratulations. Um, yeah, end of March. Cool. Um, what's the what's the date and time? So that's going to be 30th of March at 6.30 p.m., but it's at Secret Comedy Club. But cool. uh, on the 27th of April, I'll be doing it again here at the Comedy Clubhouse. Nice. Uh, I think is that it's a, that's the early Saturday show again, I think, 6.30 cool. on a Saturday, I think. It'll be on the website. That's a nice slot. That's good. Yeah. Yeah, I did my first hour at the 10 p.m. Sunday slot. Actually, it was pretty well attended, so I can't complain. But um, yeah, six thirty slot is much nicer for like an hour of, of comedy, trying something new, and yeah. And I think I'm, I, I, it's kind of a way of putting less pressure on yourself, I guess. But it will be work in progress. Yeah. Um, and I, I think when I first decided, okay, now's the time to to do an hour. 
I was like, oh, I'm going to have like a theme and it's going to be about this and it's going to be very Edinburgh. And I kind of still have that aim, at least for a show. But I think for this one, I'm just going to take the best material I have. Obviously, I'll sort of write some bits around it that might be kind of newer. And just, yeah, just stretch out into that hour, 50 minutes, whatever I do and see what happens. Um, You know, the audience hopefully will feel part of that process. I'm not turning up being like, hey, this is my four years of comedy. I've arrived. Here's an, like, I feel like this is, I feel like comedy is all about new beginnings. Like, I feel like you feel like you're getting to a point and then when you get to the point, that point feels like the beginning of the next bit. Yes. So that's what this this kind of feels like. Is that what you're going to call it? New beginnings. No, yeah. I don't think so. Yeah, it's kind of cheesy. It's a bit midlife crisis, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah, but I mean, yeah. that, that wouldn't be inaccurate. No, I mean, I, the idea I had in my head I was walking uh, through Edinburgh in the summer and, and I just had this idea of like how I'm a bit of a life crammer. Um, and like I often kind of, I guess, you know, I'm 40 years old. I've finally found like my real passion in life the last few years in comedy. And now it's like a race to, to I'm not trying to be famous or anything, but, you know, it's like I don't have as much time to, to, to do it as like the younger people. You know what I mean? Yeah, so, like as 30 year olds are so young. Yeah. And I, I feel that sort of like often my way I'm a procrastinator. So even even like dumb stuff like getting a tan in the summer, like every year I'm like, <laughs> that's good. First of May, I'm down the beach. I'm going to get a suntan. I'm going to look beautiful all summer and it's going to last. And then it gets to like the 30th of September. I'm like, I'm still white. I need to go to the beach. <laughs> so I, I was going to do the same thing, actually. Yeah. I'm like, why am I still, why haven't I got tan yet? Yeah. Like... Beach gym. Like, it should be the easiest thing in the world to do. Walk 20 minutes outside my front door and lie down in the sunshine. <laughs> but I can't do it um, because it's a goal that I set myself. So I was going to call the show too late. Um, oh, I like that. And there were some other things as I as, as I thought about. There was other interesting stories from my life that kind of fit to that theme. But I think for now, this is just going to be like I'm going to throw all the shit at the wall and see what sticks. I might bring back the old bit I used to do using like DJ equipment in the set, ah, and yeah, I love just that. to make a bit more variety based. But yeah, I'm I'm excited, but terrified. You know, I, I mentioned the procrastination part. <laughs> So like I have the show written out and I'm like, right, give me a date. And so I've asked for the date so I will force myself yeah. to to put a show together. I, I'm someone who needs like a, a deadline. I'm the same way. And what I will tell you is I still didn't write my show until the day of. So. Yeah, and I probably won't either. <laughs> this is a great advert for my show. Uh, if, yeah. you, if you want to see like uh, a man under extreme pressure trying to be funny, uh, come to my show. It's it's actually I had an interesting idea. So mm-hmm. tell me if you think this is completely stupid. So you know a lot of these shows that they pay what you want, yeah. which for those who maybe don't know who are listening, um, it means that the audience effectively can come in for free, um, or sometimes maybe they'll buy a ticket in advance for a price they choose. But I they can pay what they want for the show. At the end of the show, you do what we call a bucket speech. So you ask people for money, and hopefully you know they feel it was worth five, ten, fifteen, whatever pounds. Sure. I thought what if. <laughs> What if this? What if I paid people five quid to come in to watch the show? <laughs> but the idea is, if they like it, they give it back to me at the end, plus whatever they feel extra they want to give me. <laughs> Just as a sort of publicity thing, I don't know. Do you think is that crazy? Or do you think like people would vibe with that? I was like, I, James Regal. The show could be called James Regal pays you to watch him on stage for an hour or something like that. I think. Personal. Okay, I have two two immediate reactions. The Hit first me. is you're probably not going to make much money off that because when people give you the five euros back, they're going to feel like they're already giving you money. Yeah, that's um, true. And B, you're kind of devaluing yourself by saying I'll pay you to watch me. 
It's like, why do I need to get paid to watch you? I'd watch you with that. I'd pay to watch you. Yeah. So thank you. You're welcome. So those are the exact same and I thoughts. I have paid to watch you <laughs> yeah. emotionally. Yeah. Um, those, those are two thoughts I also had. Um, the money one doesn't bother me because it's like, for the first time, I'm not, I'm not looking to make money. I just want, as long as I don't lose money, I just yeah. want the opportunity to perform for an hour and, and fine. Um, the devalue one, yeah, is like, if it's taken in the wrong light, it's like, why is this guy paying? But in the, I, I feel like if you marketed it properly, so it's sort of obviously kind of tongue in cheek and a yeah. kind of stunt, maybe you circumvent that. I don't know. I haven't decided yet. You would have to but, really figure out the right wording on marketing it to not devalue yeah. yourself. I just think it would be an interesting experiment. And I come from that world of like PR and marketing, or it's yeah. like trying to find a, a different way and I, because the show itself doesn't have a theme or a title it's just it does it's called too late well not yet could be could be but the one i'm going to do in march probably won't oh, yeah. be that so it's just bloke does you know stand bloke up for an hour me. yeah so i just wonder if there's like something i can do that will get people talking it's like oh why is, have you heard james is paying people to watch him do? <laughs> that's kind of funny to me it, it's funny I feel like you can come up with something else funny that doesn't devalue your comedy. Okay. <laughs> that's Wait, my, that's right, my we'll, opinion. We'll, we'll workshop that. We'll then. workshop it. <laughs> we'll, we'll workshop it off the air. Um, yeah. So I uh, uh, want to talk to you about some some actual, I have some pre-planned questions, but okay. we've actually gotten a great start going and I, I really like hearing about your hour and your process there. Um, so I kind of, that kind of leads into like what, what jokes are you working on right now that you're really, really enjoying? Um, so right now I, I think I've I've found a really fun sort of 10, 15 minute routine, um, which I'm really enjoying. And what's nice about it is like it's one that I've been able to keep building and building with additional stuff. So um I was I was talking about the ads I get targeted with mm -hmm. on on social media and how they're all basically trying to like help me get a relationship and stop being single yeah. um you know for instance like and the little tricks are like there's shoes that have like hidden heels to make guys look taller <laughs> and there's also like workout plans and, and I, I won't go into like the whole bit but it's like i i've been able to like write little like few minute bits and then just keep building on top of it until yeah. and then i managed to link it with a slightly slightly older bit i had about a really weird advert for a condom i saw once <laughs> which is one of my that's one of my favorite bits I've written so far because um, I, I, if you were, to, I have a very varied sense of humor. But I guess if I was put on the spot and asked what it is, it's like I like to find surreal things within the kind of day to day, mm -hmm. and or, or like take things to like a slightly absurd place without being like wacky. Yeah. But and, and I think that's bit. And then, funnily enough, I was because I was you told me what the questions might be and I was listening to the podcast and you're asking oh, people about their like comedic influences. I'm yeah. sorry I'm like jumping ahead. No, that's okay. I wanted but, to, you know, just like flow. Yeah. But like this particular bit is, is about ads. There are social media ads. But I remember some of the first stand-up I remember listening to was Ben Elton ranting about ads on British television for things like gas. Like why are they advertising as gas? It's not like I'm sat on the sofa going... <laughs> Mm, feel like gas right now. <laughs> it's like it's a public utility, and I realized like, oh, like I can see the influence of that in this bit. Like yeah. I'm ranting about stupid adverts. So I kind of yeah, love like the idea bit. of you doing a show just about ads and like 
letting that be the tie-in and then when you promote it you can get really meta about it and like turn it into an ad but it's like an ad for a show about ads and (laughs) oh i like that or i could do like a series of like fake instagram ads yeah yeah i like that i like that I guess like I come. I've worked in PR marketing for seventeen years, so it's like into your story. Yeah, I know. I just I just like the bit because it's it's about me. It's about my experience, um, and the audience seemed to like it. It's not finished yet. Like there's still there's still plenty of work and editing to be done. But I'm enjoying doing uh, that bit for sure. I like that bit. I've seen it, and I can say it's pretty funny. Thanks, Jamie. You're welcome. I'm just here to compliment. Imagine if you're like I've seen it. Uh, Shit. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I actually got an ad from from Instagram that I thought was so funny. I talked about it on stage once, which was after my mom came and brought my flute from home. Um, I was like very excited about it. So I was talking about it a lot. So my phone heard that. And then I also have a joke about bisexuality. And as you can see, the bisexual colors on our background. Um, Are those bisexual colors? Yeah, blue and pink. Oh, okay. Right. Because sure. I'll fuck anyone. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Um, and, and so I got an ad for, a uh, it just had two flutes and one was blue and one was pink. And it was like the weirdest thing. I was like, is it trying to tell me to like use flutes for pleasure? Like, right, I yeah, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Did you? Um, not yet. Okay. I think for my show though, I'm going to have a flute on stage the whole time. I, was, and I really was it. wondering what you were going to say. I thought <laughs> much I'm going to stick a flute up my, uh, vajayjay. No, but I'm going to. play the American national anthem. That's. I, I someone's already done that, so I can't. Oh shit! Okay. She's good. We saw her in Edinburgh. What's oh, that's name? right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shirley, no, yeah, she's, yeah, yeah. She's amazing. She's great. I thought of it, and I was like, "Fuck, she's already done it." Yeah, damn <laughs> you, Shirley. Yeah, but she's great. Um, no, I want to have it on stage. It's kind of like Chekhov's flute, just to be like, "Is she gonna?" Um, and like reference that, like maybe I'll use, maybe I will stick it up myself. Yeah, but like, but not. Okay. No, I like that. Yeah. yeah. I just don't like know. leave the audience hanging. Yeah, and then maybe at the end I'll like play something on it. Yeah, and just to prove that I have other talents. Sure. Um, Can you play the flute? Yeah. Oh, okay. Didn't and the piccolo. <laughs> What's the difference? The piccolo is really tiny. Uh huh. Um, and the flute is like a flute is like this is like I don't know the size of like an arm, uh-huh. whereas like the piccolo is the size of like a forearm. Ah, uh, okay. And it's higher. It's an octave higher. Got it. Um. Anyway, you have talents, so. This is, this is not a pre-planned question. I have talents. Yeah, what are your talents? Oh, I hate that question because I honestly <laughs> don't feel like I have any. I think you have. I mean, you DJed for a long time. That's not a talent. <laughs> That's <laughs> Thank you, but DJing is not... Well, I don't know. You're not for me, it so wasn't. so many DJs so mad right now. Yeah. They're no, all tuning in. I mean, <laughs> simply playing music is not It's not a talent. There's, there's, there's a skill in it. I wouldn't call it talent. Someone who remixes live and plays along in you know like a fred again to sound like a basic bitch um even i do like him like that for me like that guy's talented i was not uh talent but um no i think i have more ethereal talents (laughs) (laughs) like you know i was always kind of quite good at a lot of stuff yeah Uh, i always like trying different stuff i don't think i ever truly truly excelled in anything apart from uh, Latin in my primary <laughs> school where I won the Latin cup. The only cup I ever won at school <laughs> was for Latin. Do you remember any? Uh, from Latin? I mean, I, I, I know some Latin phrases from like... Give me a Latin phrase. Audarius facere. That's, 
that's kind of that sounds like a house of the dragon like yeah uh i'm gonna let a lot of people down now that is the motto of tottenham hotspur football club <laughs> <laughs> it means to dare is to do which actually that's funnily enough nice... is yeah i feel that does speak to me a little bit in terms of you know doing this um, this podcast yeah were you scared i was terrified <laughs> <laughs> that can't, yeah, comedy and and that kind of thing is yeah yeah. Well, let's talk about that. So, like, what's your what's your comedy journey? How did you get into starting comedy? My journey. So I started here in Barcelona around. Why'd you move here? Oh, Sorry. okay. Let's, yeah. go back. Um, let's go back. Classic one, really, for a girl, um, <laughs> but not in the way that you think. So there wasn't a girl here. Um, I was in a relationship in London where I grew up, worked my whole life. Um, and it, so a few years prior to that, I had been more into like the DJing thing we just mentioned. Um, things had started to pick up a little bit. I'd done a couple of summer seasons in Ibiza, like not in clubs or anything, just like I was DJing this very nice hotel kind of chill out music yeah. not really my thing but like i made it my thing that's the one where you can watch the sunset right um no so this was just like a a, a nice hotel in the middle of the island but um it's true that so yeah around so i'll go back so <laughs> i i was thinking after a couple of years of not doing that with ibiza suddenly a job offer came up again and i was thinking oh i wouldn't mind going back and doing it again and really pursuing it my girlfriend who had come with me in the early part of our relationship uh, for my second time out there, she didn't really enjoy it. And she was she was like, okay, I guess we can go. And then that job offer started to get a bit flaky and it's very like Ibiza way. Mm-hmm. So, she, so she basically said, look, I don't want to go out there and just be sat there doing nothing. Like it's going to be really boring. What if we still went away for the summer, but we went somewhere else that maybe like has more going on but you could also dj like what about barcelona and i think she had some like work friends that have been out here uh and i can't i i can't remember what the discussion was but eventually i just sort of agreed to it and yeah we drove over here in june 2013 nice we shared an apartment with this german guy near near poblasek near that area and within a month, I just started kind of looking around at jobs just to see if there was anything. And I, I found a job. Uh, and in... this was pre-Brexit. So yeah, yeah, pre-Brexit. Yeah, exactly. So you could do that back then. Exactly. Um, yeah, found found a job that in, in my field uh, at my level and they needed an English native speaker and the money was really good. So I applied and it took months and months to till they like offered me the yeah. job. But I, by that within that time, I'd like I decided I really liked Barcelona the thing you mentioned is what also weirdly happened is so while I was here and not really working, I, I spent ages making a mix to enter to a competition to to DJ at this amazing legendary venue in Ibiza where like the sunsets is called Cafe Mambo. And I won, which was like <laughs> I've never won anything. It was incredible. And they would like fly you me haven't out. You have won anything since. No. <laughs> uh, I won Mansplainer of the Year, actually. Uh, oh. in, in Yeah. Uh, shut up, bitch, Barcelona. Congratulations. Um, thank you. That's my dream. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I won that thing. So that was like pushing me back towards DJing. And then I had also like fallen in with this cool group of DJs in London. And we were like playing cool gigs in, in London, like that really like at the cutting edge of dance music culture. And I was loving that. And then like they offered me this job to relocate here. And I was like, ah, like, do I, it was like a sliding doors moment. Like, yeah. do I stay in London and, and carry on with the DJing stuff? 
do I go to Barcelona? And I chose Barcelona. Nice. Um, Good choice. Yeah, How so cra- that's kind of crazy because there's an alternate universe where you chose to stay in London. Yeah. And your life would be completely different. Potentially, yeah. Potentially. Uh, hundred, no, I think 100% different. I think I'd be less happy than I am now. This, this place yeah. just, even on my worst days, I look out my window and I'm just like... You have the best view in Barcelona as well, so... <laughs> I have it right now, Jamie. Oh, stop. Uh, stop. Flirt. Don't flirt. Um, Don't flirt with me. No, it's it's an amazing city. And, and, and yeah, it was, it was only years later. I think I'd gone to see a couple of stand-up shows where I probably saw, like... A, I remember seeing people like John Alice performing. Right. Maybe Robert Marquez. I think I saw him performing. Um, when, when did you start going to stand-up shows? I don't remember the year. Maybe, like, 20... 15 maybe you saw me perform maybe maybe i remember going to to paragua yeah i for, performed at paragua a lot for potentially for for atomic i, I think they i saw had, atomic like I just think, kidding there yeah i think i went to craft a few years later and um yeah so i was aware there were like shows here but I, I, at that point i wasn't considering doing it at all it was it was only around yeah 2018 2019 like the little worm in my head kind of formed like oh maybe you could try it and try it and then how did that come about so it it probably took me the best part of a year to decide from i'd I'd gotten really into podcasts Mm -hmm. and listening to like comedians on podcasts well you're gonna hate me but like joe rogan was like a central (laughs) one but through joe rogan this was back before he went off the reservation it was actually interesting to listen to i can't stand it anymore the guy's a lunatic are you just saying that no i genuinely like i tried i I, one came up on my phone the other day you would like still listen to him i still occasionally dip in but i dipped into one the other day because he had a guy on that i quite like and it just it was like an hour of just listening to like right-wing propaganda that went completely unchecked and it was just driving me insane and I can't I don't care if people have different political views but it was just like but that's like not what you want to spend your time listening to yeah and it's like at this point you know you have a platform that people but anyway let's not get into Joe Rogan sure but I was listening to comedians talk about their craft and their process and then I just in the shower started to like think of jokes um and then yeah I I I remember one day I was just like all right I'm gonna go and watch a show so I went to this open mic at Limerick that was called, mm-hmm. was it called LOL, that show? It, it was Robert been, yeah. Shows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, Robert Marquez was the host. I went to watch it with the express point of view. I was like, okay, if I feel, and this is very me, like mm-hmm. I like to dip my toe and in, in first and, and, then, and then decide. Sure. So I watched it um, and then a guy called Kobe went up for his first time and he absolutely killed <laughs> Because he's just so fucking yeah. charismatic. Oh, he's amazing. I think he'd literally written the material like th- there and then as well. <laughs> asshole. Um, but I remember like watching people and like everyone was pretty good. But I remember thinking like I could, I reckon I could like do not much worse than some of that. Yeah. And then I spoke to Kobe and I was like, oh, mate, like congratulations. You're really funny. I'm thinking of doing it. I'm just not sure. And he, he looked at me and he just did that Kobe thing. And he was just like, just dive in, man. <laughs> just dive in. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to dive in. <laughs> I'm going to dive. I'm going to start dipping my toe yeah. and I'm going to start diving. So I yeah. signed up the next week, got five minutes, and I was going to do it on my own without bringing anyone. But in the end, I brought my my ex and um, my, my older cousin uh, who yeah. lives here, Mitch, for moral support. And I remember the bit 
I stand by actually the premise is still pretty What's good. The and one, one day, I'll, I'll get to that in a second because one day I'm going to try and bring it back, I think. I think you should. But I remember doing it. I remember getting like a couple of laughs. It was very, it was quite like observational, but also silly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember coming off stage and the feeling was, wow, I have to do that again. Yeah. It, I loved that. Even though I knew like it was, I was embarrassed, I was shy, I was mm-hmm. terrified. It was such a rush and it was just, it was like a light bulb went off in my head and it was amazing. And then, yeah, just like bit by bit, you like do another mic, another mic, and then, you know, someone sees you and they put you on at craft. And I was like, wow, I'm on at craft. <laughs> like craft is like the worst fucking place. But like, that's where like the good comedians were that yeah. I saw, you know, and yeah, it just yeah, kind of happened. Yeah, that's how it happens. Yeah. And now you're here and this, now you're one of the comedians on a podcast talking about comedy styles yeah it's you know yeah it's 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 weird i think um i i have you know people talk about imposter syndrome Uh i definitely have that like i'll be in meetings at work and i'm like they think i'm an idiot that i shouldn't be here yeah uh you know uh, 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 various things uh even like you know in shows sometimes i get it but i think i also have is the opposite of that Which I, which is straight white male confidence. Yeah, exactly. It's called white privilege. Uh, no, I, I call it imposer syndrome because, like, quite often, I'll, it's the same with the DJing. So in comedy, I'll see someone doing a thing, and I'm like, I could do that. Oh yeah, I and have I, that too, though. Yeah, like I picture myself. I, I can't just enjoy a thing. No. Without picturing me being the one doing it even if it's something ridiculous like Cirque du Soleil like (laughs) I am not an acrobat but I'm like be really cool if I was that guy and I don't know if everyone has that I have that every time I go to see a Broadway show or a musical or something I go home and just sing for hours yeah yeah I say I used to I always wanted to be like an actor and in musicals and stuff like I can't just enjoy something on face value and go wow those people are great I really enjoyed that suddenly I'm like I wish that was me yeah it's this weird, yeah. like, it's, it's, I don't know if it's like a competitive thing or just like a, I want to experience everything thing. I think it's a wanting attention from people <laughs> thing, if I'm honest. Um, did we not get enough attention as children, James? I think I did. I, I don't know. It's just. Uh, I definitely did. But. Uh, I, it's, it's, a, it's a weird one because like, I, of, I also don't like being centered attention, but also love it in equal measure. It's, it's weird. But I guess I, through comedy, I found, I finally found the thing with the lowest barrier to entry possible. <laughs> that I could be like, I could do that. And, uh, you know, it was sure just, how, yeah. Yeah, just one rung below DJing actually. Uh, so yeah. Oh yeah. Um, no, exactly. I mean, honestly, I had a very similar, like, cause I started in Barcelona also. And I had a very similar of like, I went to a mic first and was like, and I had actually met a lot of the people at that mic at an improv workshop. I was like, I can go to an improv workshop. That's fine. And so I met them all there and they were like, come to the comedy open mic. And I was like, okay. And I went and I watched and I was like, oh, wow. Like, I mean, just off the bat, English is my first language. Like I'm already like miles ahead in that. So <laughs> I'm, I might as well try it, you know, cause I don't have to, you know, so it was just kind of a similar sort of, yeah, I could do that. Yeah. But you have like a theater background as well, right? So do I you, mean, though. I mean, yeah, I, I used to like acting when I was younger and I, I was in like some shows, but I feel like you, you took it maybe more seriously than I, I did. did. I thought I was going to be on Broadway. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I'm glad I'm not. But um, I mean, you did some like public speaking stuff, not public speaking, but like you did theater and like you've been on stage. You've been in front of people. Yeah, I, I loved acting. I love stage acting. You put a camera in front of me, I fall to pieces. Mm-hmm. I can't, I hate it. I don't know why. I just, I'm the same way. I can't do it. But I loved, I always loved being on stage when I was at school. 
And again, not in a kind of precocious theater kid way. I just, I just liked the excitement of like having a character and a script and, and, and like the nervousness backstage mm -hmm. and, and the thrill you get when you're up there. And, and I just, I always enjoyed it. And like at school, I never got given any of like the main roles. Very rarely. Uh, Who I, did you play in Fiddler on the Roof? Yeah, again? I was so <laughs> my my all boys private school in London did a production of Fiddler on the Roof, and we had a lot of Jewish kids in our school. And none of us got to be the main roles. Anti-Semitic. <laughs> um, yeah, and it was an all boys uh, school, so of course some people had to play women. And to be fair, I remember one guy was Yenta. He was brilliant. Like he oh got standing God. ovations. He was so good. Uh, so I, I was given the role in the chorus line as a male villager in the first <laughs> half. In the second half, for some reason, I was female villager. <laughs> and I have still to this day cannot fathom why they decided. Maybe they, maybe they swapped us over so we didn't feel like yeah. we had to be a woman the whole time. But it probably bizarre. messed with the consistency, though, you know, because if you had to be a woman the whole time, you would have just embodied that. Right? Yeah. But I guess in Anatevka in like the late 18th century, men and women villages may have looked very similar. You know, like, <laughs> there wasn't a lot of like yeah, hygiene. I mean, yeah, no hygiene, no makeup. No, yeah. Like... So it, it wasn't really until I got to university uh, where I turned up with my like my now like long curly hair oh and kind of London sensibilities that this this girl who was who was one of the years older than me, I guess she was a third year, she was directing uh, a production of Ben Elton's Popcorn and she had seen me do like the intake day show, which we'd done. And she just loved my whole like vibe. So she, she kind of said, like, you don't really need to audition. I want you to play um, Wayne, like the psycho killer in Popcorn. And I was like, absolutely, this sounds amazing. Also written by Ben Elton, one of my comedy heroes. Oh, cool. I love Ben Elton, actually. I just read a book by him that Which I'm one? obsessed with, uh, Blast Blast to the Past. I don't think I've read that one. It's actually, honestly, a terrible title, but great book. I'll lend mm. it to you. I, I loved it. Yeah, he's he's great. And I, I remember, you know, my dad would play me Ben Elton stand-up tapes in the car from the age of like seven or eight years old. And it was very blue and very rude. And I probably understood mm -hmm. about a third of it most. <laughs> But I just, yeah, it was cool. And yeah, then I did like a Shakespeare play and that was kind of it for acting for quite a while. But I just, just, I liked being on stage. Yeah, I, and I you danced it. too. That's true. I did dance, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know too much. I could I could just do the podcast as Yeah, you. when I say I there was a thing at university, it was like a charity show and we would do like choreographed dances on a catwalk. Um and I just got really into it. This, this, so this is imposer syndrome. This is more like this isn't about comedy. This is about like just like who are you, James? Why? Are you, yeah. Why are you like so? Why are you like this? I, I auditioned for that show in my first year. I got in. I was like one of the dancers. The next year, I was like, I love this show. I want to organize it. And I love running events. And that's how I've fallen into running comedy events here. We can segue to that maybe. But um, so I ran it, and then after three years of just dancing in the show, being taught dances by other people, I decided, oh. I'll choreograph dances now. <laughs> so I literally, I'd go away and I'd watch like Usher music videos and stuff and like put like nick some of the moves then take some moves I'd learned from like other dance classes. And I, I choreographed three full routines of 16 people, men and women. Which is pretty wild and kind of impressive. Like, but I watched back the videos now because, oh yeah, I remember being really proud of myself and I watched yeah. it back and I cringed, like I almost disappear up my own asshole. But I, I loved that. I was, I was so happy at that time, and I, I did do it. And I, you did it. Like, I can't believe that I had the confidence to do to just walk. And be like, yeah, I'll, I'll choreograph dances. Yeah, like, totally. If you <laughs> asked me to do that now, I'd be like, shut up. Like, <laughs> no. 
dare to do. Yeah, exactly. To dare is to do. That's what it is. I was like, I said it wrong, but yeah. you know, but it's, all, it's the same. It's like, all the yeah, same. All the same. same. Um, so you mentioned Ben Elton. Um, let's talk. I know you have a lot of comedy influences, and I know yeah. that's really important to you. So, um, I'd love to learn more about like who you watched, like maybe growing up, but also who you love now, whether famous or local or whatever. Yes, yeah, so, I mean, if we want to go back to the beginning, I mentioned Ben Elton. Um, my so I saw my dad on weekends, and he loved comedy. He's got a great sense of humor, and he used to let me watch stuff that again was probably way too old for me. But it was it wasn't like sexual or violent in any way. Yeah. And this was like back in the I guess the late eighties, early nineties. Right. I mean, old. my dad showed me Animal House when I was like ten. Okay, so. fine. <laughs> yeah, that's that's problematic. That's um, <laughs> so we would watch things. There was a show called Spitting Image, which was like a political satire show, but with um, kind of semi-realistic rubber puppets. So it was like politicians, celebrities, people doing uh, voice impressions of them. I loved that show because it was silly. Um, the young ones is still one of my, so that's, that that's was, soap opera? no, it's, it was a, a six episode, no, 12 episodes, two seasons, um, sitcom. It, it's credited as bringing alternative comedy in Britain, like to the, to the mainstream. Cause in that period of kind of the early mid eighties, it was all sort of bubbling under in the clubs, this new alternative scene. And it was people like Rick Mail. Um, Alexi Sale, Ben Elton, who 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 wrote it, um, uh, Adrian Edmondson, and they got given this show, and this is this crazy, anarchic, wild show that goes very surreal, and it it, it is something you can watch as a kid and enjoy because enjoy there's a lot of slapstick, but mm -hmm. there's also a lot of like adult themes. They don't really swear in it, but it's like yeah, yeah, and because well, it was on cable TV, right? Well, I mean, I think I would watch it because my dad had I guess recorded it off television, like terrestrial television. Um, terrestrial television what the fuck is as in that? like we have so not cable so in england we would have we had three and then eventually the four then five just main channels that everyone got with their tv license into their house like you were posh if you had like sky and satellite back then oh shit um we didn't re and then cable came a bit later so um so it's what we called terrestrial tv it's like bbc one bbc two itv channel four basically and wow. then, then channel five um, terrestrial. So he would record it on on VHS tape, and then we would just watch the VHS tapes over and over, spitting image, young ones, and then later on Blackadder, um, Bottom shows like that. Yeah. So, so, I, I yeah, I grew up watching like a lot of sketch, like the Fast Show. I loved uh, a lot of kind of alternative based comedy, and then also occasionally listening to stand up like Ben Elton and, and Billy Connolly. So I still have so much love for those shows i can always go back and watch them and they still still yeah. make me laugh these days i guess more modern i have a it's the same with my music taste when i was a dj and my it's very eclectic um i mean to state an obvious one like the, the big hit is I, I think louis ck is a genius i know there's opinions about him as a person but his his stuff is so good yeah um Stuart lee is just on another level um, we went to watch him in Edinburgh. And, yeah, this, Twice. I kind of feel <laughs> bad about saying because he took the piss out of people like me who tell women how good he is, which is, is why he's so clever. And it it's was so, so irritating. funny. It was so funny because we were sitting there just because James had like literally been like, you got to watch Stuart Lee. And we sat with his laptop like on the couch just watching. And he's like, look at this, look at this. And then Stuart Lee just said that exact thing happens on stage. And we're just like, yeah, he was like, he's about half of you are here because you love me. And it's probably half of 
interview, mostly women, because the guy you're with tonight went, oh, my God, you've got to watch this clip of Stuart Lee. And I was, it was like, fuck. It's like, how does he know? Yeah. How does he know? He's so um, smart. I feel like your, your um, condom bit also has a little bit of Stuart Lee in it. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, it's it's. It's it's focusing like really into like a micro thing and kind of I would like to stretch stretch out that condom bit. <laughs> Don't stretch <laughs> Don't it too far. Um, in the same way he can stretch out bits, but I love yeah, Stuart Lee, and then you know Mark Watson. I just James Eckers. I'm a, I think I'm a big fan of turn of phrase and wordplay, and and those guys just have a really fun way of using language. Um, I should probably say some women, shouldn't I? <laughs> this is <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Just no. come, to, come to my confession booth and not mention any women. I mean, you are the mansplainer of the year, so. True. I mean, this is going to sound really twee, but I, I honestly, I feel so privileged to have Michelle Wolf here. Yeah. Because when, when she first came here and I was like, oh my God, Michelle Wolf's coming. I was like, I know that name. And I Googled her. I was like, okay, I know. I've definitely seen her. And then I watched her stuff to like jog my memory. And I, I realized I wasn't that familiar with her. And as soon as I watched it, I was just like, this is brilliant. And now like... She has that ability in the same way that maybe Louis does and, and Bill Burr is another one I like mm-hmm. to to say the thing on stage that is so it's so smart and it's so well observed that in a way you almost think I could have had that exact same thought, yes. not as a comic, but as a fan. But you didn't because, you know, because they spent months writing that till it's perfect. Right. But it it hits, it resonates so well that you're like, I feel like you pulled that thought out of my head. Yeah. And that is just, oh. Yeah, exactly. I mean, she does that so well. And that's the same. I will say like Louis C.K. was someone who is famous for doing that, where he will say the things that maybe you thought, but you don't want to think. So you never say it out loud. And then he just says it. And then everyone around you is laughing. And that's kind of the power of live comedy, too, where it's like we've all had this thought. Like we've all like Michelle's bit that she's done about uh, being. I don't know if she's done this live. Maybe I shouldn't say it too much, but like being in the the museum and there's the Asian tour group. Yeah. yeah. Like it's really funny. Yeah. And it's the sort of thing where you're like, can can we say that? But then you're like, well, she said it. Yeah. And it doesn't make it okay to say, but it's like a funny thought and a funny observation. Yeah. I um as, as there was a Louis bit I heard the other day, which is kind of somewhat appropriate when he's talking about dating and, and he's older and, you know, he, he gets to date younger women because he's famous and everyone's like, ew, like, what's wrong with you? And he's yeah. like, no, like, it's normal for me to like younger women. Like, they look good. Like, why does she like this? Like, she's the pervert. <laughs> and it's just like, it's like, oh, yeah, like, that's... You know, whether you believe that's true or not, it's such a, it's such a fun way of like flipping the observation around. Yeah. You can't really argue it. Yeah, you can't. I mean, it's uh, true. It's like why? I mean, obviously, the reason that she likes this is because he's famous and has money. But, yeah, potentially. But it's like, yeah. But, and funny. He's funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. OK, maybe it doesn't stand up. But the point is just, it's, yeah, the way but he flips it around. It's like, and then I, I want to shout out some, some people here because like I say, I so. You say like I'm established now. You kind of said that earlier. I, yeah. mean, I still consider myself new after four years. I don't think you can not until you like seven or even 10 years in feel like you're established. But I yeah. guess in comparison to people who are like starting out, then yeah, I guess, you know. I'd say you're I established within the Barcelona scene. Yeah, I suppose so. But there's so many just really funny people here. And 
you kind of almost grow used to them until you go away for a bit. Like when we were in Scotland for a month or I went to Berlin for a week and you're like, okay, it's pretty good here. And then you come back and you're like, wait, like there's no difference between some of the people. And one of my, one of my absolute favorites here, and I think he's probably an unsung hero of the scene is Alex Snook. I, he is one of the funniest people I've seen in ever his way of writing his mannerisms on stage his whole persona like, i'm so jealous that he has a really locked in persona that's something i struggle with and just i think again turn of phrase he, i hope he doesn't mind me there's a joke that um he did uh he did it a few years ago and i always beg him to do it again like i'm watching a <laughs> band like play your song <laughs> yeah. he's talking about the, the the atms the cash machines in barcelona uh-huh. and how there's this one bank where they they're like very elaborate and they're enormous and he said they look like the the bridge of the starship enterprise <laughs> and and how there's like people spend ages at them doing they're not just taking out money they're doing all kinds of they're paying their bills yeah, and their taxes, taxes yeah. and then he just said like what <laughs> He said, like, the woman in front of me was laminating her fishing license. And I just, (laughs) (laughs) the way he said it, and in his accent, which is like Bristolian, and it's such a random, I don't know where that came from. But the first time I heard it, I I think I couldn't stop laughing, even into the next person's set. It was that funny. And I just think he's someone that i think maybe struggled a bit with self-confidence in the years but i've seen he's like performing more and more now he's i think he's, he's done, done splow he's done an hour yeah he's so good um yes so he is so good i saw him do the spotlight here and it was one of my favorite spotlights ever yeah, i'm like, gutted i had to miss that i'm so gutted about he it he was so good he's just someone he also really i think what i really envy with alex style is he really is now comfortable in silence and knows how to use silence yeah. um, and rhythm in a really, really unique way. And it makes sense because he's a really talented musician as well that he would use that in comedy as sort of like the way he kind of plays with rhythm and like expectations and um, like tonal, like how, what am I trying to say? Like when you're asking a question or you're saying a statement, your voice or your tone does something yeah. um, that makes people expect one thing and he kind of uses that to do another and a lot of comedians do it but he also like knows how to use silence really well and then also as you said has this turn of phrase thing where he's just a very very smart writer and smart user of words yeah (laughs) i think what's interesting with alec (laughs) is like i felt in the past his style just went way over people's heads here in barcelona but i feel like the more comedy is maturing here do you feel like the audiences are maturing with us i do um and i feel that's happening with alec now whereas in the past you know maybe five people in a room of 50 would get him now it's more like 30 um because they're they're being exposed more frequently to different senses of humor I don't know, it's just a hunch I have. But um, I, I honestly feel like if he had been living in the UK for the last seven or eight years and gigging consistently, like he'd be quite a big deal by now. He's, yeah. I think he's that good. He he is. I mean, he sold out in Bristol. He yeah. did like a show in Bristol that sold out. And I think they invited him back. And um, yeah, he's he's brilliant. Also, shout out, shout out my boy, Luke Messina-McGinsky. Oh, yeah. We love Luke. Luke is also, like, actually really interesting as a comedian, though, because he does a lot of, like, uh, you never know what he's going to say. Yeah. But he's so smart in in what he's saying, if that makes sense. He's someone I'm also jealous of in the way that he, he gets in the pocket, and maybe it's from his improv training, but he gets yeah. in his pocket, and again, he's in this persona 
um, and yeah, you're just along for this ride, and he doesn't even need to tell a joke. He just mm-hmm. sometimes he just needs to do that sort of like nasally laugh, <laughs> like Darfy <laughs> does. That was a bad impression, but that was awful. you know the one I'm talking <laughs> yeah, about, yeah. right? I know exactly. What um, about. And he just people, he's so adorable to yeah. watch. And this is this he's is entertaining too. Like if anything, he's always entertaining, and he's you can tell that he's having a good time. Like if he's not having a good time. Um, then yeah, but he's he's almost always having a good time when he's on stage, and that's like infectious. Yeah, yeah, and this is an area I'm I'm still really trying to get to grips with is my persona on stage. I've been experimenting with like different delivery styles. I think at first I was very much like bah! like just high energy, like yeah, show confidence, and then recently I started just trying it like not fully deadpan, but just just kind of world weary ish, and mm-hmm. finding like I was really enjoying being in that space and delivering the jokes was interesting but also like that isn't really who I am all the time Um, so yeah I'm hoping like years five and six I'll like (laughs) I'll find like who is James Regal the onstage comedian yeah and what is a James Regal bit I hate talking about some third person but you kind of have to in this instance so pretentious but yeah James Regal (laughs) (laughs) but you know like if people if I'm going to want to like stop touring around Europe and having my own hour it's like there needs to be an expectation of like you need a brand yeah like what what are people paying to see and I'm just I'm not sure yet I'm just hoping it kind of emerges over time yeah I do like I will say in your recent comedy what I like is how you've been very I, I kind of like that deadpan thing and then bringing in your emotion where with the we've been talking about it, the the condom bit, right, where you get really into it and you're like, this is ridiculous. Right. But it's like some of those jokes are just like these are well written and I'm a little deadpan. And then when something starts to make you really mad or confused or angry, you just lean into it. And I really like that. OK, no, that's interesting to know. Thank you, Jamie. You're welcome. I'm a good observer of. <laughs> you um <laughs> uh well we're, we're we should wrap up soon um i wanted to talk about roast battle just like a little bit okay yeah uh because that's one of the shows you run here in barcelona you run roast battle and you run lolly amorous um so tell me about like uh running those shows why you wanted to do them and and how they're how they're going sure i mean once again imposer syndrome i was like <laughs> oh, i'm doing comedy now i'm enjoying performing I, I can run my own show. Like I can, you know, I should be the one that's in charge. Um, but you're so, very good at being in charge. So thank you, appreciate that. Good I mean, it, it, I my my professional passion was always like I loved running events and stuff, and that's how I ended up in PR and blah 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 blah. So I feel it. Yeah, it, it was kind of a natural progression to eventually run my own thing. Um, I was trying to think like why I decided to do roast battle because. I always kind of liked Rose Battle. It wasn't like I was a huge fan of it. Right. I think it, what happened is another guy, Chris Groves, was running a Rose Battle show right before COVID or maybe right after COVID. Uh-huh. I'm trying to remember the timeline. Right after COVID. Yeah, it was right after. Um, and I did my first ever roast against my good friend Olga Camacho. I really enjoyed it. I was hoping I just to. just loved insulting Olga. <laughs> yeah, and she loved insulting me. Um, uh, shout out, Olga. Um, and. I really enjoyed it. I was hoping to do more and then they just stopped doing the show. Mm-hmm. And then a few years later, I was like, oh, it doesn't feel like they're going to do it anymore. So I'd like to to revive it because I really like the format. But typical me, it wasn't just like, oh, I'll just find a, a room and we'll do a show. I was like, no, I want this to be like a whole event. So um, I found I, I wanted it to feel like an underground fight club, sort of very different to a normal comedy mm-hmm. show. 
like I think we we it was like a secret location. We didn't tell anyone mm-hmm. the address until the day, and the location itself was like way out of the middle of the city. <laughs> yeah, it was probably a good point to not tell anyone the address. Yeah, um, but it was amazing. It was this old. It was this sort of converted warehouse space, and it's we did it space. in the round, and it had its issues. Like the acoustics were fucking terrible. But people really understood what we were trying to do, and they really dug it, and it was a, it was good fun. We did it twice like that until we realized like it wasn't financially sustainable and just it didn't work for, in terms of acoustic. Um, but we carried on the ethos of that show. We didn't call it roast battle at first; it was comedy purge, and it was it was like it was theatrics in it. There was like ring entrances and moving lights and loud music, and um, like I loved I loved those shows so much. Thank you. Um, I love drama. Yeah, <laughs> but they were high risk and high reward, right? They cost a lot of money to put on. If they yeah. sold out, great. But if they didn't, we would lose like 300 quid and that's kind of annoying. But then eventually um, a, a comedian called Victor Petrashkan, who's done a lot of roasts in London, he was like, you should tell the roast battle guys in LA, Brian Moses and Pat Barker, what you're doing. You know, maybe they'll support you. Maybe you can use their branding. So we wrote to them and they were like, this is actually really timely because we look, we have like a league uh, in the US and we're trying to expand the league into other countries and so long story short we became part of Roast Battle League which is so cool and now we're going to season two and we're doing shows every two weeks here at the Comedy Clubhouse occasionally we do one of these big dramatic shows yeah um, like maybe a couple of times a year and that's that's probably sustainable Halloween. yeah the Halloween show is I think it's always going to be our our show um, I always want to be part of that one yeah <laughs> And you're like you've done so many, and you want you won again last night. Yeah, I won again. Yeah, last so night. you've got you've got a title match coming up. We yeah. we bought a belt as well. Uh, like the, the belt, belt is so, so good. If I don't beat Darren, I will kill myself. Yeah, <laughs> and and look, shout out Phil and, and Gifty as well. Like as a team, like we've we've all worked really hard to to make this thing happen. Um, I could not have done it on my own. Yeah, like. I feel bad when people are like this is creative roast battle, but it, like we all three of us did it. We like you know me and Phil put our own money into those first shows that lost money, we didn't get it back. You know it's as much owed to Phil and also his like he's so good at the emceeing. He's a very good emcee. I realized how good he was when I had to do it last time, and I was like, oh, this is actually quite difficult. It's hard. It's hard. Yeah. Um, I'm excited to do it again though. Yeah, yeah. You're you're you're, you're hosting soon, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah. Good. And then what was the other question? Uh, Lolly. Oh yeah, so Lolly. So that one was I saw a show in Austin, Texas called Other People, run by a guy called Hans Kim, who's actually quite big now, like through Kill Tony. And uh, it was like it was just him and another comedian. They were like pulling names out of buckets in like a kind of empty-ish bar, and people were going on stage and and like and dating. But I, I thought like, oh, that's something that could work in Barcelona. But I wanted to tweak the format a bit and add some things and. Yeah, we tried it here, like, just a few, like, one-offs. Yeah. And, like, it wasn't particularly well attended all the time, but, like, there was definitely something in it. Mm-hmm. I can't really remember when the turning point was, but just suddenly it just started getting popular. Yeah. Um, I feel like it was, like, the summer, like, last year. Maybe, yeah. Like, when, just before Edinburgh when you were really, like, tightening it up. Yeah, also, I think we just got better slots here like I thought you said sluts for a second slut, yeah we and got more like, sluts that's, that's what helped <laughs> yeah I mean I mean yes. if you advertise a dating show with lots of sluts I mean we're gonna get yeah some good male attendance yeah but uh, it was I think it was if we got good time at the clubhouse on good dates and yeah. that helped build momentum and then we brought in uh Willow Star who just adds a whole new level to the to the format she's uh like a sex educator a relationships educator at university here 
and so she's there to like give like real actual insight and advice about love relationships sex fetishes monogamy like whatever and so it's two comedians and her and it's just like it's selling so well like I, I looked at the tickets today and we're already like half sold for saturday which i know it's wow. recording on friday evening yeah but if you're not from barcelona and you're listening to this like people buy the tickets super last minute it's very rare to be hitting like into the 20s and 30s the day, the day before, before a show and that's happening like consistently now and and it went oh, well cool. at edinburgh so yeah we, we took it to prague last week i've done it in berlin done it in london are you gonna so. take willow to edinburgh uh if I get a room, I haven't been offered a room yet. So, oh, but yeah. Um, so yeah, Willow said she'd come like for a few shows, but she yeah. wouldn't be able to do the whole thing. I mean, yeah, and she can stay with Darren. Yeah, <laughs> but there's also there's other people in the UK that could like fulfill that role. They will never be yeah. as good as her because she just like has the perfect mix. But yeah, no, for sure, I agree. Yeah, I'm excited the about the potential for that one. I, I feel like if we grow the social media and keep growing the show, like it could be something that's actually like a decent business proposition yeah as well, you can turn so. it into a brand where yeah. like people do it all over the world yeah exactly yeah you're gonna take over you're like the little shop of comedy shows <laughs> <laughs> yeah um anyway are we making jew jokes again no no a, i'm not making a jew joke uh, we got through the whole show almost without one without any this is what happens when you put two jews in a room is yeah. we actually don't make any jew jokes no, it's we, only in front of other people can we call this the jew rogan experience <laughs> Stupid. I want to end it there. Oh, that was good. Um, okay, real quick, give me your advice for uh, young comedians. For young comedians. Young comedians. Um, God, good advice. Dive in. <laughs> That's the advice a wise man once said to me. Just, just, just keep doing it. Keep showing up. But I think, I think, I think if everyone has kind of said that, just yeah. keep trying. So I give me something different. Maybe like more practical advice. Um, if you're booked for a show. Um, respect what the showrunner asks you to do. <laughs> don't run your light. Um, don't drop out last minute constantly. Um, don't feel entitled. Like, and this is from someone who often does feel entitled. Like, if you want to be in a show that you really like, You're like, like painting yourself in a good light. <laughs> yeah, but like, go to the show, watch yeah. the show, talk to people. Like, there's nothing worse. Someone going, I, I really want to be in the show. And it's like, have you seen it? No. It's like, go. You know, just yeah. like that's the that's kind of a New York thing too, or like really any big comedy city is like the best way to get booked on a show is just to go watch it as an audience member and then just talk to people after. Yeah, exactly. And and don't be afraid to to reach out to. The more established comedians, you know, I, th I feel like Barcelona, we're a famously friendly scene. Mm -hmm. I think most people are more than happy for someone to say, oh, would you mind helping me with this joke or giving me some advice? I certainly am. Like if anyone's yeah. listening to this that is in the Barcelona scene and maybe they find me so incredibly handsome and intimidating, they wouldn't dream of coming up and approaching me. How dare they? I um, love the reality that you live in. <laughs> <laughs> But I hope I'm approachable, but you never know like how you the vibe you give yeah. off. So I would hope that anyone there's a there's a guy here, he's not asked me, but there's a guy here called William, uh or he goes as e I know or Eno. Yeah, on he was stage. actually just outside. Was he? Yeah, he was very I modest. fucking love that guy. And I don't think I've ever told him how much I love him. Aww. But he's quite new and he's yeah. just got all this enthusiasm. And he's and... very respectful and he, he shows up and he he's he's working. You can tell that he's working, you know? Yeah. And I just there's a there's a few people like him on the scene and yeah 
just just don't be afraid to to ask for help and ask for advice. Like uh, I will, I want to give a shout out to um, someone who who did that when she showed up is Michelle Ahern. Yes, who is has always been really open about asking for advice and offering her own experiences, and um, is she won our our vibes award last year? She did, and she just she just. Uh, performed in front of a thousand people in yeah, Cork opening for Kyla it. yeah yeah. I mean what an amazing story exactly and she's it's just because she's so fucking open and friendly and um, really down to approach you know people you know she's taken people out for coffee and gotten to know people and it's really like it shows and it's we just all love her so I think that that's great advice we do love Michelle but we this is my Michelle. episode so let's talk about how much you love me instead <laughs> You don't want to hear exactly how much I love you. Um, great. Well, <laughs> let's end on that note, I guess. All right. This was fun. Um, it was fun. Uh, so we have Spotlight Saturday, which this will probably drop Saturday. So it's Spotlight tonight. Yeah, Spotlight, 8 p.m. Lolly Amorous straight afterwards at 10 p.m. Nice. Uh, with Mila Kopieva co-hosting and Willow Star, of course. And then, yeah, come see my solo show on 30th of March at Secret Comedy Club, 6.30 p.m. And 27th of April, 6.30 p.m. at the Comedy Clubhouse. Nice. Cool. Great job, James. High fives. High fives. Thanks. Okay, that was it. Sorry, I did the thing I told myself I wouldn't do, just like ramble. Oh, no, it's okay. It's good. Um, That was really good. I like that. Comedy Confessions Booth with Jamie Oak.